Hey, everybody, really just a quick note before we get started here. Uh, we at Three Sweet Me Bro really believe in everybody um, being treated equally, fairly, um, and uh, I, I think rightfully, um, peacefully. Um, therefore, um, we've made the decision as a group to not talk about anything related to the Crown Jewel uh, pay-per-view, I guess, event um, that's currently happening in Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, it just, it's as a group, we just... Um, not cool what's going on over there and uh don't feel that um it needs any attention at all um you know um i encourage um anybody who listens to do your own research um and check it out and um read into some of the atrocities that are going on over there um you know there's plenty of places to donate um check out amnesty international um i know they're a big uh help over there uh uh to assist them so um, not to bring everybody down, but, um, just again, you know, we, we wanted to bring this to everybody's attention, um, because we truly believe in this and, uh, you know, truly stand with the people, um, you know, especially the women of, uh, Saudi Arabia. So without further ado, um, I, I, th I think enough said there, uh, and let's, uh, get on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is Tom, Mike, and Jim, and we are one more than two. We are three sweet meat, bro! On this week's show, we'll discuss the most noteworthy shenanigans of the week and clickbait. Each of us will provide you with a must-watch list of matches of the week, and Jim, today, will be shining a spotlight on a certified star of the wrestling business. So without further delay, let's get into some clickbait. Kind of touch on some stuff that's happening. It just seems like news just keeps happening and happening and where it's been like, what? To like, oh God, no. Like, to like, oh shit. Clickbait. I don't know, uh, gentlemen, if you've been following, uh, there's been some some more drama, I guess, uh, with the, the whole fallout from the, uh, the, the all out fight. Uh, so I don't know if you've heard, but supposedly the elite are uh, do any day now, it feels like to come back to television. And, um, I thought that was kind of odd. Cause I'm like, well, that's weird, you know? Um, and then all of a sudden it kind of comes out that punk, um, you know, had, had released this report uh, about his dog, uh, actually having like his, 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 uh, dog's teeth got like knocked in, but it was like. Yeah, it was his front teeth and then like, but it was never, it was like, was it, was it directly related to this? And it's kind of proving like, and it, at the time it was kind of like, okay, no, this may have been proof that maybe the Bucks did kick in his door and stuff. And that it actually turned out to be, that was I, like a hot mess. And it actually really wasn't true because I think someone in the, that was actually in the room, some anonymous source, I guess was like, at what that did not happen, like for sure. So it's like, okay, so this is kind of back and forth and like then something comes out where it's very strongly considered that they're going to buy out punk's contract and he's just going to sit on the shelf and whatnot and um there's been uh you know it's over you know his non-compete and whatnot because there's been the now rumor is that he may be you know you know even though that there's a new regime change there it's i guess there's been slight feelers uh, with WWE and stuff. And I know we kind of talked about that in some previous podcasts where we, you know, said that like, if he, if he, if punk truly goes that route, like I, I, I fully as a fan may have to just like completely walk away from him because, you know, I think Jim, you pointed out that it's like, it just goes against everything that that man, you know, did, uh, you know, and said after he left. So it's, um, you know, it, it, yeah, I don't know more to, more to say on that. So anyway, um, so, uh, kind of quiet. And then, Dynamite 
happens this week and uh jericho's doing his uh you know his his ring of jericho or or whatever it is with the ring of honor title and he's been challenging a ring of honor world champion and i caught this last week and he was like i don't care if it's any champion if it's this and i'm like well that's okay and like didn't even put two and two together that like colt cabana at one time was a a a tag champion a ring of honor tag champion so I said the name Colt Cabana. So last or on Wednesday, Colt Cabana comes out and I, my, like, I have to be honest, my jaw hit the floor and I was like, okay, I think I see what's going on here now. And like, it's just, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, again, I don't know. I'm not one to, to, to chew the, like, I guess to the, to the, not chew the fat, but like, take into the obvious or like take the the internet clickbait and whatnot but i mean man like that seemed like a direct shot at cm punk and like uh you know because one of the stories that came out was that he's been voted off the island and this was a true to me this felt like a strategic yeah we don't need you dude and like you know it's i don't know who pulled the strings and whatnot but like that is i don't know and it's just it had like it had inklings of Jericho, but then it, 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 it made me think too, that like Jericho's now like, this is my locker room and it's, I like Cole Cabana and screw you. And so like, I've heard rumors that it was, you know, Jericho is basically like, this is mine, not yours. You know, I've been here since the beginning and I've heard that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not blaming Colt. I'm, I, he seemed very emotional when he came out. Um, you know, I'm happy that he's back in the spotlight, but like, it's almost like, what, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And like, but then again, like now the rumor is like, maybe punk did get him off television, you know? And it's like, I don't, I really truly don't believe that. And I think, I think it, this is just, it's, I, it's boy, I don't know, not a mess, but like it, this, that whole match clearly just said a lot about the fact that we're probably never going to see punk in AEW again. Like that's my get. I don't know if you guys, wanted to elaborate on that i mean i'm just like it's i'm I, not speechless but i'm just i don't even i i literally i like audibly out loud yelled what the fuck i was like are you kidding me I, a buddy of mine uh, uh was texting me we, we were texting back and forth and me and him were both like just you gotta be kidding me like this was a direct shot at, at cm punk um uh, i mean it still it still like pisses me off honestly because like it just Oh man, I just, I'm just getting it, it week by week. I'm getting more and more irritated with Jericho, which if you were to tell me, you know, years ago when he debuted in new Japan and he had that amazing promo with Omega and fast forward to here, I would have been like, Oh, you're full of shit. That's never going to happen. Yep. Here we are. My favorite response to Colt walking out on Wednesday night was Jordan grace on Twitter said, uh, there's no, there's no pettiness quite like pro wrestling pettiness. And, and she's right. <laughs> and, like, that was my first reaction when I saw Colt was, oh, that's got a sting. Um, and then I was happy to see him. I was really happy to see him. Yeah. He hasn't been on TV in quite a while. And, uh, you know, the, the, the reports now are that there's no plans to bring him back either. It was kind of a one-off uh, one off thing. So, which, it's like which, really, exactly, right. which really drives home the fuck you punk aspect of it all. But uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, when, when you guys mentioned, you know, last week, 
when they said when Jericho said, I don't care if it's a TV champ, a pure champ, or blah blah blah. That that opened up the floodgates. And I not not for a second did I think Colt Cabana was gonna be yep. the guy to face. Same. Uh and and the fact that it was Colt and even more so the fact that Colt is a two-time tag champion with CM Punk. Punk. Was it like the only reason Cabana was eligible for that match is because he tagged with Punk. And the reason he was on was to say, fuck you to CM Punk. It was part of like the, 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 the 13 year old catty bitch in me loved every second of it. But the pro wrestling fan was like, (laughs) you can see how rusty Colt was. And that was upsetting. It's like, dude. Yeah. Cause I mean, Jericho's hard as fuck to have a good match with anyway, right now. Then you had Colt's rustiness on top of it. It, I, it, I, I agree. I think it's a very clear cut sign that Punk is done. Uh, I, I think it's that with the vignettes that they've been running. Obviously, the elites coming back. They've they've picked their sides. There's all these reports coming out now. Now that the the full investigation is over, I guess all these are people coming out saying you know Punk's a cancer. That's what Jericho said actually. Jericho's quote was that punk is a cancer. Uh, Matt Hardy said that the elite did nothing wrong. They're innocent in all of this. So yeah, that, that Colt Cabana popping up was kind of the nail in the coffin of CM Punk's AEW career. In my opinion, it's just sad. And it's just like, I was, you know, we were, I think all collectively at one point have said that like, you know, this is, it, this is probably it for him. And like, I, yeah. I truly, truly hope he does not go to WWE. Cause I, again, I'd be like, you're not going to do anything new. And I just, I can't see him going with the way that product is. I can't, I mean, they would have to do such a monumental switch from where they're at right now to fit punk's theme with every, you know what I mean? Like his, just his overall punk, like how he always is. And I just, it doesn't even work. And it's like, dude, just go do what you want to do. It didn't, you know, you, you tried. And like, I think he really ultimately in the end, it's going to be this. We, you know, punk really came in to really try and help make this a business egos got in the way. Uh, I think the bucks, you know, um, did whatever it is they did. And with Jericho being there as this locker room leader, Jericho just chose sides and was like, you know what? But like, I truly think the way it's going to be is now, I think that they're going to, I don't know if they're going to have the, the EVP status, but I could truly see them, um, basically being like, you know, no, you're going to have to run everything past Chris Jericho now. You know, he's like the the locker room leader, like the Kevin Nash's was or, you know, Hogan and all them were, you know, it, I, I truly be, I, you know what I mean? And it's going to be, I think the next couple of years, if that's the way I think they're going, are going to be very telling for the organization. And I've told Tom where I'm like, I'm only going to watch them at, at this point by proxy, just because like I, I'm not saying again, we'll never know the true story. There's always that, you know, stuff in pro wrestling, but like. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that come out about the Bucks, and I'm like, I just don't know if I could like, I if, if and you know, you're just gonna do everything with your friends and and this and that with other story, and I just I don't know, and it's like, mm-hmm. but it's it's the only product that's better than WWE right now, so it's like I said, I just I might watch it until I who knows, maybe this is this is just another time where I walk away for a little bit. I mean, if that gets to the point, but mm-hmm. jumping well, to mean, conclusions here, so I don't. I think the, the out of everything, the most disappointing thing is the fact that it just, without choosing sides, the fact that something like this happened in a company so brand new. I mean, and everybody was like riding high on how great AEW is right now. Like it's something new. And that was like, we, we've talked about it before. It's something new. It's something fresh. And it was fun. Now all this shit comes out and you're like, 
ugh, this just this is just a, a, another bullshit company with a bunch of dudes with a bunch of egos in it. And like, I, I have been reading too. And when you say investigation, you should put that in very loose quotes because from everything that I've been reading is that it was all very one-sided. It was all, and, and I, I can't believe in a million years I'd ever say this. And I've been saying this uh, for a couple of times on the podcast and Jim and my, my friend, Nick, constantly will give me shit but like yes i was listening to jim Cornette, and he did have a really good take on it and he said like how come ace uh i was about to say ace freely jesus (laughs) (laughs) how come where's ace freely you guys where's the demon um i want to know what wait wait a minute wait a minute how did this get into the demon and it's like so the spotlight of the week like no i was listening to strut all right so Dale Torborg, <laughs> yeah. but so Ace, I was about to do it again. Ace Steel, uh, his wife wasn't even interviewed. It, it was like it, it, she was she was there. Like it was no, it's like known that she was there. She wasn't interviewed, um, and yeah. and there's just a lot of a lot of things coming out that sound. And Jericho, when he when Jericho said the whole cancer thing, he said it before the press conference. So like shit was going on backstage before punk got out there and like started spouting off. And so like, I think it is, it's really unfortunate and as talented as the bucks and Omega are and punk and everything. I, I truly believe that the Bucks should be stripped of their, their, you know, their titles, the EVP title. And because let's face it, you know, you, you as if, if you're a manager, anywhere in this world you cannot act like that and they they need to be stripped of that title and like they need to eat some some humble pie real quick to to climb up the ladder because like if i was con i'd be like all right dude it's gonna be a while before you guys not only get the proper tv time but titles and everything back because that that to me is a is a a fitting and i I hate saying punishment but punishment for him and it's just like i said last time it's just ultra disappointing it's disappointing that jericho's acting like this it's disappointing that all these dudes did it it's disappointing that punk is even putting feelers out like i i i love professional wrestling but this is definitely a side of professional wrestling i could do without um i was watching uh, rampage the other day and uh that video game that's coming out guess who's front and center on that cover yep punk and yep. uh, I'm, I'm sure he's working that in a contract right now. He's like, I want every, I want fucking 10 cents or something, you know, for I'm sure he's doing that oh, and, sure. and good for him. I, I truly, and, and like I said, good for him. And I'm not saying that like, it, it, sure. I'm sure punk, you know, like, I don't know. I just, and it's, it's call me a mark for punk, but, but like, I just truly believe like to me, it felt like that press conference and not to bring that up again or go deep into that. But like, that to me just felt like a guy who was incredibly frustrated. The fact that he had to bring this up and he's like, you want to hear me talk about it? Fine. And he just, you know what I mean? And like, you can, the, the guys, I, I, I've never really heard him talk about it. You know what I mean? And I think he just finally cracked and it's just, it sucks. And it just, it sucks that the bucks or, you know, allegedly, you know, whatever it is, they did what they did. And it, it really sucks. But like, I think that's what I was going to say when I was bringing up the cult thing is it just makes me think that, yeah like this has been they've wanted him out for you know probably since the day he got there and whatnot and it's like oh you're gonna hurt our friend and like we'll get you back at some point and here it is you know and it just yeah it's just sad it really is sad because like you could tell 
I think when Punk was there, yes, it wasn't an immediate success, but like you could tell some stuff was starting to turn a little bit. And like, I really, really, really wanted to see that MJF Punk feud. And I think it would have been a beautiful to watch MJF slowly do the babyface turn and watch Punk just mm-hmm. get nasty again. You know, it would have been great or vice versa too. Mm-hmm. I think it really could have worked. And it just, it sucks that we're probably never going to get to see that. And it stinks. When you, you look back on, on, there's, it's happening a lot on Twitter now where people are revisiting promos that were cut against punk like eddie kingston uh you know hangman like all these you know all these promos that were cut on punk kind of now in in hindsight are like maybe maybe they were shooting a little bit there like if you go back and watch eddie kingston you know cutting his promo on punk on rampage holy shit uh either either eddie kingston is the king of kayfabe or Eddie Kingston is shit at kayfabe. And I can't tell. I honestly can't tell which it is because that whole promo, like he could have cut that promo after the all out brawl and it would have been just as relevant. So it's kind of like this shit, you know, maybe the signs were there all along and we were thinking it was one thing and it was something else. I So it, it's, I agree with you guys. It's just incredibly unfortunate that, that this had to go down like this. Uh, it's sad. It's, it's very immature, uh, I agree. I, you know, like you said, Mike, there's there's no no company in the world would allow executive vice presidents to behave like this. You know, so I, I just I, it's just sad. It's just sad all the way around. Uh, I hope there's going to be a resolution to it soon. And like I said, part of me, I'll admit, part of me is glad that Colt Cabana uh, was kind of used in that incredibly petty way. Yeah. And, and it's and again, this is like I told I think I either texted it to, to the group or or to you, Tom, and you know, and I said, I'm not again, I'm not trying to shit on Colt Cabana because I've always kind of been a, a Colt Cabana fan. He's always had that kind of punk rock mentality to to wrestling and like really brought my attention to indie wrestling and brought me I, I'm through his podcast, you know, I'm sure brought all of us to like some some really cool wrestlers and whatnot. And I just it sucks that like you said, Jim, I think at the end of it, it just sucks that he was used like that. And he's going to probably be remembered for some just really shitty things, you know, or being associated with some really shitty things. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just, it sucks. And and to say one last thing to you about uh, him, punk possibly going to WWE. I just honestly don't foresee it happening. Cause if the locker room was toxic in AEW, then it's going to be a <laughs> fucking nightmare in WWE. Cause like that whole AJ Styles stuff, um, mm-hmm. that there's no way that you're going to convince those two dudes to work with each other. And then you still got the history between, uh, you know, even though triple H has come out and said multiple times that, you know, oh, we don't have any beef. I highly doubt that. I just don't, I don't, it would be like going, going from shark infested waters to alligator infested waters. It's like, I don't understand. There's, there's no way that you're going to convince me that he is willingly going to go there out of like, hey, I think I've, I've turned the page. I think I'm going to – no, it's all going to be just a cash grab. And then you're going to see him right off into the sunset because that's the only reason he would go there is be like, hey, you know what? I can retire early after doing like, you know, three or two WrestleManias piece. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like uh, I, I, I really would like to talk a little bit about Chris Jericho though because – Because you want my blood pressure to go up? <laughs> yes. I want to see. Yeah, so let's see how mad you get, Jim. It's actually like I was thinking about it, and I, I purposely didn't text you guys so we could talk about this. But when you, Jim, said a while ago, like, oh, it's, you know, I think we were talking about Steampunk, you know, Steampunk in a 
live long enough to see himself as the villain. And I truly believe Chris Jericho is like totally taking that role. And if you remember all of the shenanigans in WCW about him being blocked by like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, Eric Bischoff, and we, we know all that. And I'm not saying he was treated unfairly in WWE, but he never had the WWF or WWE championship. He only had the big gold belt, I believe. He didn't have the spinner belt or anything like that or at the time of what it was. Like, are we seeing Chris Jericho, like, sort of be Kevin Nash from WCW being like, well, this is this is my company now, and I'm going to, like, fucking call me a vanilla midget? Guess what? I'm I like this is my time. Like it's super weird. And I'm I'm I might be just talking like a paranoid idiot, but like it is so apparent that that dude is running rough shot in that like locker room. It's and it's like I was I can't remember I was listening to uh, another podcast about how they're like um they just basically said like how that guy is getting TV time over like Hobbs and uh, uh, Ricky Starks. And, but now since like all that kind of dropped, we're seeing Hobbs, which I'm all about. I think it's great that he's getting the, the time he deserves, but like we're seeing, it's like Jericho and friends. It's like, what is happening? And it's just like, God damn, this is NWO like 2.0 or 3.0 at this point. And that's what I said. Like when I was talking about the, the, the Cole Cabana thing, like he shook hands with him and this and that, and that, like, again, that was a clear to me, like, Again, not to bring up punk or anything like that, but it was like, no, I run this, you know, blah, blah, blah. If I want Cole Cabana on TV, I'll put Cole Cabana. That's what it felt like to me where I was like, that was the other reason, you know, again, jaw hanging on the floor. I was like, what the, I mean, if that wasn't obvious of, you know, obviously cut the punk stuff out of it, that to you, to your credit, Tom, to me was a, this is my, this is Chris Jericho's company and I'm going to do, you know, whatever it is I want to do and this and that. And like, it, it is weird. It is like, I'm, I'm trying to ignore the fact and just focus on like, cool. I get to see Dalton, you know, Dalton castle put on a clinic with a, with a, a bag of potatoes. I get to see bandito put on a <laughs> fucking clinic with a sack of potatoes. And so like, cool. Like, and I'm just trying to forget about Chris Jericho because he is again, like I get it with some of the big guy stuff. And then like, I can see Hobbs kind of coming back. Cause you got to separate him from Ricky Stark. So like, I get some of that stuff, but like, I, I'm with you though. Like, there's no re- well, there's no reason one he should even have the Ring of Honor title to begin with. But like, I'm all yeah. for him helping out backstage and doing whatever. That's fine. But like, the fact he is taking up insane TV, and it's just now all of a sudden there's like now there's a wedge where like Sammy Guevara is like he's starting to kind of cement that wedge where it's like you know you're going to do the right thing, little buddy. And it's like, okay, so now we're going to have the same. This is going to be the same thing that with the Jericho or the the what the fuck they were called that uh, the inner circle. The, the inner circle. Wow. So now you're going to do this again? Like, Jesus Christ. So anyway, I don't know, Jim. That well, did, I was just saying real quick that like those two goons that uh, are like the, the one of them came from NXT. I can never remember their names. The guy was like. Both of them did. Two. Oh, both of them did? Yeah, they were. Um, yeah, the they were 2.0. Yeah, they were. They were ever rising. That's it. Ever rise. Yeah. Thank you. Well, like, how in the world those dudes are getting more TV time than FTR is fucking insane. Like, insane. I, I hate the fact that I hate the fact that a they have these fucking ridiculous names. B the the, the fucking he's trying to do the Chicago accent. You're from Canada, motherfucker. Own it. And he's sports entertainers. 
fuck you, okay? Fuck you from the bottom of my Illinois soul. <laughs> Lick my fucking deep dish ball sack. I hate fucking 2.0 so much. So goddamn much. They don't have any real fucking... T- anyway, the original point about Jericho, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's incredibly ironic that, you know, Jericho, he, he's had his podcast for quite some time. He's written a couple of books. Yeah. His career is not, you know, a secret, right? Everybody knows about his 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 issues in the past and his story coming up. And he was always this underdog, lovable underdog guy for years. He was treated like shit in WCW, right? You know, Goldberg refused to work with him. A bunch of people, you know, pushed him down, went to WWF and he wasn't really accepted when he first got there, had to kind of claw his way up. So he loves to tell the story about how, you know, you know, I'm Chris Jericho. I had to fight my way up and I made it to the top and blah, 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 blah. He loves to tell that story, but I, 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 Tom, I think it's even worse than him being Kevin Nash. I think he's Hulk Hogan. I think oh, he's a Hulk Hogan yeah. in impact situation oh my God. where he it's it's not only that this is my company, but like I'm going to be the face of it. I'm going to be out front of everything. And he's using politics like a motherfucker, which is what Hogan was really good at. Oh, yeah. Hogan was always good at politicking. And I think Jericho, for as much as the guy has bitched about how it was used against him in the past like so many people on the way up, they're remembering everybody's name who wronged them. And then when they're at the top, they forget everybody's name beneath them who helped them. I, I think Jericho is, I think he's, yeah, I think he's gone Hogan, but like almost supernova. And well, that's like, I'm, I remember I'm like, I have been a massive Chris Jericho fan, but I mean, I, I don't even honestly know where I stand, but like, I remember like it, the, one of the funniest fucking things I think I've ever seen was when he did that uh, conspiracy theory bit with Dean Malenko comedic. Oh my God. It was brilliant. It was so funny. And like a good story. Like uh, I was a Lionheart guy, like to that, to Jim's credit, you know, that had to claw and fight, learn a, you know, moves from learns a more, you know, I guess you can call it kind of a Canadian style and then goes and completely learns a different, you know, the luchador style down in Mexico and really makes his name there. And then goes to Japan. Like, really, really great stuff. And it's just like, I, it just sucks, I guess. And it just really stinks to see him. And he, even now when he has, like when he came out for, um, what was it? When he first came out as the Lionheart and he used the, the, the electric head by zombie, I popped hard. I was like, Oh my God. And like, now I'm like, well, should I keep cheering? You know what I mean? Cause I'm like, I know what he's doing. And I was a big Hogan guy. I was like, I'll, I'll fully admit it. I think every, like, I think any good wrestling fan was like, Oh, sure. You know, who grew up with Hogan and then would in that era was always like, yeah, you're going to tune in to see Hogan. So, like, I get it and I understand the whole top draw guy thing. But, like, to me, that just doesn't give you the right to, like, do what you're doing. You know what I mean? And, like, what Hogan did and what he what he did a lot, like, after he left WWE and, like, the impact stuff. And, like, it's just a real drag. To continue the Hogan comparison, like Hogan, he's coasting off of his resume. Right. Like the Lionheart Jericho, Y2J Jericho, even fucking Painmaker. Those were innovative. Those were great. What's he done the last two years? But hey, guys, remember me? I was Lionheart. I was Y2J. I was like, like, I, I, I will always be grateful for what he has done, but that's the past. Moving forward, Get the fuck out of the way, bro. Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of the way. Like, go backstage, be a backstage presence. He and Dean Malenko can be wonderful coaches and yeah. agents. He doesn't need to be on screen. 
ever again, as far as I'm concerned. It's just, there's no point. And like, I just, again, like that, that I just, that, that Claudio just made no sense. It made no sense because Claudio could have done that. Like as just, I mean, take everything away, take everything away from it and turn it into a face where Claudio is just a face saying, I'm going to challenge anybody. Here you go. Why does it have to be fucking Chris Jericho? That means nothing like trust Claudio. I mean, and th- that guy's amazing. Like I, uh, we could talk about that for hours and it's just, it's, oh, it's yeah, frustrating. It's really, really frustrating to see this. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a drag. It's, it's just to see where he, mm-hmm. your credit, Jim, what he's done in the past and like how he just can't seem to let that go. Cause uh, not to, to keep going on this, but like when you said, you know, when he was doing the I'm Y2J stuff, I remember when he cut a promo when he was doing the very slow, I'm Christian, that, that heel run he had that was amazing where he was the suit and talked very slow. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Jesus Christ, he's just doing everything over again. And it's like, yep. let it go. Again, Jim, let it go. Move on, dude. Get the fuck yep. out of the way. And, and you know, you really want to help? Like, yeah, Malenko, Jerry Lynn, yeah. dude, like, Put that together and give it to the younger talent, and you guys will be successful. I, I said it a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to keep saying it. I am absolutely fucking fascinating with where Bray Wyatt's character is going and how that story's developing, and uh, this new Uncle Howdy uh, character, and the fact that it looks exactly like Wyndham, Barry Wyndham, and Barry Wyndham is Bray Wyatt's uncle, and Bray Wyatt is now acknowledging his family's history and blah, blah. I am loving the build up to this. My my hope is that now that Roman has put Logan Paul behind him, they can finally get that Roman Reigns Bray Wyatt, you know, Bray can see some action. But um, it, it, it it's very telling that you know you, you've got on the one hand Chris Jericho who is living in the past and, and really bringing the product down by refusing to see his limitations. And then you go across the street and you got somebody like Bray Wyatt, who the sky's the limit. You know, he, he's just entering the peak of his creative, uh, you know, zenith in, in his career and can do so much. Uh, I, I, I'm loving the slow build. Uh, I'm dying to see the payoff of it, though. Uh, and I'm hoping that comes sooner rather than later. I didn't even think about that. With uh, Oh, my God. I would. I mean, that what a fun treat that would be of Captain. How- what is it? Uh, Uncle Howdy? Yeah, Captain Howdy. I've been I've been a little out of the loop, everybody. So just a little bit, but um, oh my god, if that ends up being freaking Barry Windham, oh my god, like yeah. that would be amazing. I would, I would, like what I would a treat! Love if if they acknowledge, like if Bray Wyatt, because like I said in one of his most recent promos, he said, you know, I come from this historic wrestling family. I would love it if they actually acknowledge that on air his uncle is barry windham his dad was irs his brother's bo dallas i would love if they brought that shit into it because i think that's another layer to his bray character absolutely that could really really make it special and i I would i'd love to see that exposed i think that would be like a very interesting uh uh segment where uh you know his dad actually comes out and like kind of confronts him and he's like what happened to my boy? Like, what are you doing? And like, yeah, I love the, the blurred, the blurred lines of, of reality and like incorporating actual like family members. And yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Jim. I, I think that Bray is, man, he's just such a, he's got such a creative mind. And now that he's able to run with it and with as much freedom as, as I'm assuming he, he has. And also too, I, I can't say enough how happy I am that he got like an, 
ex Marvel writer, a comic book writer, because um, sometimes with these long story arcs, I think it's very important that you get somebody who knows what what the fuck they're doing in a comic. I've said it for years is that one of the best things that WWE could do is get a comic book writer because they can tell these insanely long stories and and keep that momentum and keep people like interested in the product. And I, I, I man, I just when he snapped, I, I think it was uh, was it this week. I believe on SmackDown where he, he snapped at the stage hand. And uh, I mean, I just, I, I was like so into it. I was like, damn, he's so good. Um, and, and I, 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 I don't think I'm as worried as I, as I, as if McMahon was behind it. I think trips has a, has a pretty good, you know, a pretty good mind set for the payoff, but like in WWE, you know, WWE fashion, they do amazing builds and then we all see what happens. And the payoff is like, Ugh. like a you, you know, know hell a, you get hell you get hell in a cell with uh oh, God. Well, I mean, thankfully I mean, i'm sure they're they're all learning from from all of that and and i think the payoffs is going to be phenomenal i mean also too um and you, you guys know probably more about windham and uh roads but isn't there wouldn't there be a tie-in with that with dusty like you know Cody's dad is, oh. is Dusty, and then you get very like, dude. That, that's another story arc that they can do. They're, they're, no titles need to be involved. It's just you know, like Cody's this all star, and then Bray's this like bastard child of like you know of like oh I could never make it because my name's not Cody Rhodes. You know, it, it's perfect. You could get two years of programming easily between the Bloodline, Wyatt, and Rhodes. The three of those, the three of those characters oh. bouncing the stories you could pull between the three of that's two years of main event programming. Absolutely. Right. Fucking there. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And what and it's just to Jim's credit, like what he said just a couple of seconds ago, you know, is, is sky's the limit with Bray. I mean, really you could go anywhere you could do, even if it is just, you know, Barry Windham or whatever, if he doesn't even acknowledge his family and he does the 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 tom you brought it up um a couple episodes ago uh with the when he was doing the seth rollins thing when he was like you know seth what are you doing to me and it's just he truly is just this he's having these mental breakdowns it's just this again the sky's the limit and i it, i i 100 agree with you guys um you know once i get caught up and but, but from what i know now like this this payoff is going to be I think it's going to be fun and it's, I'm in well, and it's, I'm, a little, it's a little more mind fuckery for you here though. Another, in terms of like history nerd of wrestling, uh, Mike Rotunda, right. Who was IRS, who was Bray Wyatt's father. Mike Rotunda used to be in a group, uh, in the NWA called the varsity club. Yeah. And the whole gimmick was they were, you know, varsity wrestlers in college who are now in the pros and Mike Rotunda's tag team partner, was a young up and comer by the name of Rick Steiner, whose son mm. is Braun Breaker, who could that again, I look wow, most yeah. casual fans would not give a shit about any of this, <laughs> but for a giant fucking nerd like me, oh, yeah. I'm so excited at all of the possible connections. The wild Samoans and the Steiner brothers had a great history that could get tied in there. I just so many pieces here that could come together that are just oh yeah I, I'm getting it, it, it thought of it. It truly is a brilliant way to bring back like old like older wrestlers and not have them steal the spotlight like they normally do. Like having you know the Wild Samoans come back or even the Rock. As long I mean the Rock is I mean that's a 
you know, a, that would be used much later for obviously, and they're going to do that for Roman. I'm, I'm assuming, but like even even all of that, they have the, they pull in these old timers, and but it's a good way to like just push the new talent. And also too, I didn't. I would love, and I don't know when his contract's up, but like, how rad would it be if you know Dustin Reynolds comes over and Bray and Bo, like brothers, brothers versus brothers. I mean, it's it, it writes itself. I mean, it's it's so good. You could even do something with. Um, I was just thinking about this with like. There's always been this rumor of you know the the elders, the tribal elders, and like you know you can bring in uh you know the again Sika and Afa and whatnot or. Um, you know, Meng or some, well, no, Meng's not Samoan. Um, um, God, why am I drawing a blank on his name? But or uh, I'm drawing a total blank on his name. But um, you know, bring them in, and there's you know, again, here is this. Oh man, Roman, we understand you're the tribal chief, and like you can still keep him healed and be like, but there's this force that like you can't win, and it's Bray, and there's this you know, and he's it writes itself. It, you know what I mean? And then like it could be a yeah. slow baby face turn for Roman in building up again bray the fact that like he's just this insane mania it, it again sky's the limit and the story writes itself like i'd be in for a whole year of that like oh my god like bray's the one that finally brings roman down because you know what i mean because he's this unnatural like i don't know i'm I, it's insane because we i don't even know like it's been i've heard it's been hinted that he is uh uncle howdy but then i've also heard like he's not because i've seen pictures where i'm yeah. like it's clearly not bray wyatt so it's like what's going on you know and again it's that's his mind, man. And it's really cool. And it's again, the payoff. So, well, and then you can even take it to the next, just thinking out loud here. If you've got the, the, the legacy storyline, right. All these family traditions and histories coming together. And then you get somebody who's new and fresh who comes in and says, we're going, how about the next generation comes? How about forget the legacy? Let's start. For, and so then the title picture now changes to, okay, here's this, this up and comer, this new guy who is not part of one of these legendary families. Let that story play out and then have, all right, you know, kind of the fuck the old guys kind of thing. Uh, and, 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 and have, and boom, there you go. You can redirect the whole, whole story arc in another direction. Uh, like I, said, I just, I, I again I understand how to to 90% of wrestling fans they wouldn't give a shit and it would take a long time to get caught on to this but I fantasy booking wise I'm 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 in heaven thinking about all the possibilities of this. booking wise uh, no, that's WWE if you're listening uh, we accept Venmo PayPal uh, please yeah give me a call yeah. give me a call I'm not call. I'm cool. here for you. I, got, I got time so real quick, uh, I think we need to talk about is WWE opening the forbidden door finally? Uh, reports just came out that uh, the great Muda, which is probably uh, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, uh, also fighting another favorite wrestler of mine, Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, a lot of people were – it seemed a little people were confused about it, myself included – um, I didn't think it was real at first. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, uh, fake, uh, matches going around the Sheamus and, uh, Suzuki one was, uh, was one of them. And I, I kind of was like, oh man, oh man, it's fake. Uh, but <laughs> Jim, it, dude, it, it, are we seeing WWE open the forbidden doors finally? Or cause it's not new Japan. It's, it's Noah, which is new Japan's, uh, uh, rival. And so I am so fucking stoked about this match when triple h was was competing i was never the biggest fan of his i never i never really got 
got high on the Triple H train. But but Paul Levesque running WWE is one of the best things that's happened in my lifetime because yes. he's a fan of wrestling and he understands the importance of these things to the industry and to the fan base. And, you know, Nakamura versus Great Muda. Oh, my sweet God. Like now, don't, look, if this had happened 10 years ago, I would sell a kidney to be there. Live, right. Those two guys 10 years ago. But even now. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, it's New Year's Day. Uh, the fact that WWE is allowing one of their contracted talent to do. I, it just, holy shit. I mean, this is absolutely Ooh. remarkable. And, you know, I remember we, like very shortly after Triple H became the the uh, head of talent relations many years mm-hmm. ago, they brought Hayabusa in to do like just to do like a meet and greet thing. He wasn't even Is on. It really? was just a backstage yeah, it was just a backstage oh. and like Triple H like showed him around and talked to him because Triple H is a fan and Hayabusa, Hayabusa has zero history with WWE. Oh, yeah, never yeah. set foot in a WWE ring, but Triple H respected him so much and brought him in before he passed and all this. So the fact that Triple H is both a fan of wrestling uh, and now in charge of the largest wrestling yeah. company makes this just... Uh, I hope this is the first of many. Um, obviously, it's special circumstances, right? It's the great Muda's retirement run. Shinsuke is a legend in Japan and Shinsuke and Triple H has always been a big fan of Shinsuke. He brought yeah. Shin to the US. I, you know, there's obviously special circumstances, oh. but I, if there were future crossover events between WWE contracted talent and and Noah talent or or even all Japan, I like fuck i would i would love to see more crossover matches i really hope this is just the beginning but it is remarkable i know absolutely remarkable i know that uh obviously tanahashi is a new japan guy who will be till he he dies but i've said i don't for years if cena has a last match i got it's got to be against tanahashi and and the only and triple h and now that triple h is in in charge it's it's closer to happening. I know. Again, that's like a I, I say like a diehard wrestling man. I don't think the casual wrestling fan is going to be like, oh, okay, Cena's great, but who's this guy? Um, and I mean, I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence, obviously, but like that match needs to happen. I, I've been preaching it for years, and and now that we're getting Shinsuke and the Great Muda, and to to, to add to your point, I, I do love that Triple H is acknowledging the great Muda as a, an amazing wrestler as, as one of the all time greats. And, and I, I instead of, I know I, I feel again, McMahon would have maybe done like a vignette, like a video vignette. It would have been like I, the I great Muda, like, a little dumb vignette and been like, good luck with retirement Muda, you know? And, but yeah. like now, now triple H is like, dude, let's send. And I, I think uh, Shinsuke Smart. hasn't, hasn't wrestled with uh, Muda in like well over like 15 years or something like that. So oh, it's been a long time. It's going to be I, like, I'm going to tune in. I got to find a way to, to watch it. And it's going to be remarkable because I want to say Muda. No, it was in a battle Royale uh, with uh, the last two were Liger and Muda. This was a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. I remember, and that was like the tail end of Liger retiring. And like, I mean, in Triple H too, he, he pulled Liger over for that one off with Tyler Breeze. Like, I think we're on the path of seeing some really, really good matches 
and and I will pay a good poor, a good chunk of money to see these. And I'm excited that that uh, I don't want to beat a dead, but ugh, I don't want to beat a dead horse. But we get to finally see the King of Strong Style return and fight Muda. I'm marking out to the moon, guys. I can't wait. <laughs> oh no, for sure. And I think that's what's 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 really cool about this is that it's it's really a win win for wrestling fans because I've 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 heard about. You know, some people are like a little sour on it because, you know, it's just, oh, oh, WWE going to New Japan or sorry, not necessarily New Japan, but Noah and like dealing with the Japanese style because that's never really gotten over here. Um, but I think this is really but what the 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 win win part is, is um, you get great wrestling, but also you get that blend of Japanese entertainment and it, that meshed with the WWE style of entertainment, it works really well and it can be really, really fun. And like, cause again, I, I think all three of us would be, I mean, to go look at what we were talking about as one of the things to go and watch was the Bray Wyatt stuff, the entertainment, like WWE, not the best wrestling right now, not the best product, you know, maybe, you know, they're hitting one out of the park, like right they, there with Wyatt. But like, if they, if they nurture this relationship, that could be a lot of fun with that. And I'd tune in. I would, because like, mm -hmm. I know that like, I'm getting cool. I'm going to see, you know, good matches. I'm going to see good workers because they're not going to stick a schlub in there with somebody like if Tanahashi ends up coming over or something like that, they're, you know, and so it'll be fun. And like, I really, cause it'll be like just solid entertainment and solid wrestling. And like, that's a, how can, how can any wrestling fan say no to that? Oh, you know, yeah. and I hope I hope they do it right. And I hope, like I said, I, you can see glimpses of trips, but like it, man, they got a ways to go. Holy crap. They got a ways to go. They've already announced that Muda and Sting are going to be working together, too, on this retirement. Tour. I, I, I heard so remember Muda, Muda was. Yeah, Muda was on Rampage a few weeks ago. So here you've got Muda was on rampage. Now he's going to be wrestling a WWE contracted wrestler. And then he's going to be wrestling an AEW wrestler. That's that's, I mean, you, you can't say enough about what an amazing uh, personality and talent. The great Muda is. Uh, and I think that's, that's really speaks to it is there are no corporate lines. There are no international boundaries. It's, this is the great Muda. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, 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 fuck the old rules. Yeah. We're doing whatever we need to do because it's the great Muda. Well, and uh, I, I love to see and it. And again, well, it just is. And that's the thing is that I think Muda did so well is the man can wrestle and he's a great entertainer. I remember being terrified of the, I'm like, who the fuck is this creepy dude? Like that creepy crawl thing that he would do to the ring that <laughs> Vampiro talks, he said that like, if it wasn't for fucking the great Muda, you wouldn't have Vampiro, like the Vampiro that mm -hmm. we all know. Like he, oh yeah, he leaned heavily, and he said he's like, watch how the Muda walks and whatnot, and then in some of his promos when like he would duck in and out of the mud because that's Muda. He's literally imitating the great Muda, and it's it, entertainment again. The man was like, and again, Jim, to your yeah, like it's the great fucking Muda. <laughs> do you guys, do you guys remember? Do you guys remember when he he ran down the ramp? and drop kicked Hogan. And it's, it, it looked like he was running for miles. It is. Yeah. I love, I'm sorry, Jim. I didn't mean to good job, man, but I could go we, this whole, oh, this whole that, podcast well, behind back about great. Kenta, Kenta, Kenta <laughs> takes that from him. The, the run, the running punt that Kenta took that from great Muda. Cause Muda used to do that. You Muda used to do the run down and. Mm, <laughs> it, 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 shit. Oh, it's yeah. Muda's great, man. Muda's what? great. One of the things that Muda did in his heyday that I think is I, I so desperately wish somebody like Bray Wyatt would pick up 
um, you know, Great Muda is obviously his most known character, but the Great Muda was a secondary character to Kaiji Muto. And the thing is, is when he created the Great Muda, he had already established himself as Kaiji Muto. And then he became the Great Muda and created a whole nother move set. And so for many, many years, wow. he would wrestle as either Kaiji Muto or Great Muda, and he had two different move sets depending on which guy he that's, was. That's unreal. And every time I've seen a, I know, every time I see a wrestler now who's like, you know, like does the Bray Wyatt thing, who does, you know, right. like, oh, is he Bray or is he the Fiend? Is he Finn Balor or the Demon? If they could only pick up that little thing from, from Muda, that I think was one of the most brilliant ways of setting yourself apart you know the, the fact that you're you're you could be two wrestlers in one body is fucking amazing <laughs> I, I want to tell you about a match to watch but I'm just the ending I'm I, I all of us I think collectively either thought it said it out loud or texted it to each other which we'll get to in a second but my pick of the week until the end of this fucking match was going to be Darby Allen and Jay Lethal. I I truly watched that match and Jay Lethal is working his ass off for Darby. And like, I love it. And I think it's, I think it's great. Um, I love Jay Lethal. I say it again and again. I think that man, I, 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 you, he's, he's winding down you, but you can clearly tell he's, he's, he's trying to help other people, but I want that man to have a good, heel run like his ring of honor stuff was amazing like why that whole run he did where he was like champ for almost like two years unbelievable really great build i like what they're doing with it so i check out the match but then immediately stop the match after jay lethal wins because if you're a true (laughs) wrestling fan you're legit gonna your mind's just gonna explode and i don't know you're gonna get really pissed off or really confused or both so i don't even know what that is but so Jay Lethal wins, but the whole this this one of the things that's been kind of under or been seeding in this this Jay Lethal Darby Allen feud is is Jay Lethal has a friend that knows Darby Allen, and I know Darby was on the Indies, and I didn't really kind of follow his crowd for a little bit, and so I'm like I I have no idea who this I really have no idea who it is, but I'm like okay it'll probably be like somebody from Impact I'm thinking maybe God who could I like yeah, maybe Frankie Kazan maybe something like that or like a uh, whatever. And um, so the Sting comes down, and that's where I was thinking. I was like, oh, shit, it's going to be Sting. What a great heel turn. Like, yes, I'm all about this. Like, he's going to be the Sting board or whatever Steve Bordney was in Impact. I'm like, it worked. It it was a good turn for him, and I'm like, cool. I like this. I see where this is going. And I'm like, it's not Sting. And so then there's this – then so they take the mask off, and it's this dude who I – no joke, have no idea who this guy is. And I'm like, "Um, okay, Okay, I get it. So Sting's going to come and he's going to whack the shit out of this guy. And then he's going to, I'm like, got it. Got it. Okay, good swerve, Tony Khan. I got it. Got it. So this happens and all of a sudden, you know, it spills outside. And I'm like, and I see somebody dressed in black get into the ring. And I'm like, ah, they've righted the wrong. He's holding a guitar. And I went, wait a fucking minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) And sure enough, it's Jeff Jarrett. And I'm like. It's the honky talk, man. No. It's yeah, guys. It's the honky talk. No, um, it's Jeff Jarrett. And I think within seconds, I immediately texted the group or my brother and went, what the fuck is he doing here? Like, it, why is he here? Well, and like, 
so he and then he cuts this really weird promo where it's like and again then it comes out that like jim said he briefly mentioned it at the top he's in charge of their live events which means they're going to be doing more house shows which means what wait why is he on tv (laughs) wait a minute like why did you just cut that promo like you're gonna like you're doing this weird impact invasion angle and you're going to be building the house shows which aren't on television i'm like but it's also jeff jarrett what the fuck is going on <laughs> like, so i don't know gentlemen I, I i don't know if you get to see the match i highly encourage you to watch it but i also i i i, I hate to overshadow what i thought was a decent match but jesus christ i gotta get your thoughts on on jeff jarrett <laughs> like, I, I, why is he here two two things real quick uh, uh well when I texted Mike, Mike was like delayed. So he was like, oh, I'm just, I'm going to go ahead and watch it. Like when I get home, Mike's, Mike's a very busy dude and he's, he was out and about. And I was like, just prepare, like, just make sure you're sitting. And he was like, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of amping it up in the way of like, Mike's going to lose his mind. And then I see in all caps, fucking Jeff Jarrett question mark. And I just started laughing hysterically. And two, and, and this, this is, this is the the best part of it is he texts me, Jim, and he goes, huh? Hey, what do you think Jim thinks about him? And I was like, I will put a thousand dollars right now that he's going to say that he fucking hates Jeff Jarrett. Like, what you, like <laughs> we as wrestling fanatics as we are, like, there's no way that Jim's like, you know, guys, I kind of like him. I'm a, I'm a Jeff Jericho. I'm a double Jim. It's like, there's no way there's no outcome in this world that Jim is going to go on record and be like, I was actually all for it. I will eat this microphone, Jim, if you prove me wrong. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I get get your get your ketchup out, uh, no! Tom. Because uh, I got to tell you, I, <laughs> I was kidding. I was kidding. So here's here's what happened in real time, right? So I'm watching the show in my living room, real time, watching it live. Jarrett, the, I see the guitar. And I out loud. Now I'm watching this by myself, right? My whole family knows. All of my kids, my wife, they all know. When wrestling's on, we leave the room because dad's having a moment, <laughs> right? And so I'm sitting there watching, and I out loud said, Jeff fucking Jarrett? <laughs> and my eight-year-old, my eight-year-old daughter goes, who's Jeff fucking Jarrett? <laughs> <laughs> and so that will forever be my memory of Jeff Jarrett's introduction. It's my daughter running because she thought his name was Jeff fucking Jarrett because I can't say Jeff Jarrett. I have to say Jeff fucking Jarrett. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did what again to go back to something I said earlier. Best reaction was on Twitter. Oh. Uh, somebody, I can't remember who it was. I, I can't remember. It may have been Nyla Rose, but somebody put Effie, what have you done? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, that's exactly what it was for me it was like why the fuck is jeff jarrett popping on here and like taking out a guy who's like incredibly over and in the like face and future and so jeff jarrett can get three minutes of fucking shine what like we're oh, man. just it's such a bizarre and, and yeah I, i'm really glad that like yes he's there to be their vp of of touring or whatever and and that's great because that's what he was in wwe right when he had that very brief run in wwe management uh you know after he came back for the hall of fame and all that he was he was going to be doing their, their touring stuff and that's cool that's great the, he doesn't need to be on tv yeah he doesn't need to be hitting darby allen he doesn't need to be involved he doesn't need to cut that fucking promo which was 
bizarre. Right? Even even in even if like even if we're talking like the the peak of impact wrestling that still would have been a fucking weird promo right for jeff jarrett to cut and and you know again dusting off the old fucking you know slap nuts and all of that stuff where's this why it's 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 a why moment of like even the people who are nostalgic and love the history of wrestling wouldn't fucking like that so who are you trying to win over with this Jeff Jarrett fucking appearance? I don't, I don't, I, I, I bad on so many. Levels. I always get like asked uh, a question of like, you know, like why, why do I like wrestling and all that? And like, how do I explain wrestling? And my, like two of the things is, is like, there is no, there's no way I can explain like, like uh, the CM Punk pop in Chicago. Like you just have to witness it. You have to experience it. But I, there's also like, no way to explain the utter disappointment of, of being a wrestling fan to people because like that's exactly what I felt when I see Jeff Jarrett on my screen. I was like, same with Mike and same with you. You know, there's there's times where you're like, okay, where's this going? Maybe Khan has got a swerve. It's like Jeff Jarrett, wink. It's actually somebody else. And then he reveals himself and it was just like, part of me died. And like, it, it, like <laughs> me like screaming at my television, like my wife's looking over and just being like, why are you getting so upset about this? Like, and it's like, you don't understand. You just don't get it. Like it, it is impossible to explain the disappointment of a wrestling fan. The only thing that ever came close to it was, uh, I want to say it was like a Super Bowl once. And there was like the, uh, the most perfect tweet by some random dude. And it was like, NFL fans, welcome to what wrestling fans have been experiencing for their whole lives. Like, it, it was just, it is, it is what, like what you just want to Like, I just want to, be able to get like five minutes of, of Tony Khan's time and be like, what are you thinking? Like, what, what the hell, man? Like they're trying to push. And I was texting Mike this, they're trying to push the women's division. Right. And which they should, they should push it to the fucking moon because there's, there's so much talent there. And then you hire the guy who was notoriously known for being captain pissy pants about putting over China. Like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like that's, that's the guy you want in your company. And I don't give a rat's ass if they're like, Oh, well he's changed. He's done this. No, fuck that. You don't want that because he can, he can promise all of that stuff and he can promise like, Oh, I'm a changed dude. But what did he do? He stuck his face on, on television. Like he always fucking does and made everything about him. And I, again, I'm not trying to go back to the Jericho thing, but that just, reeked of like the old guys club and i was like come on yeah like i i love AEW, man but that was a bad move that was just a, a fucking bad move i think to round out um you know we've given you a little bit of everything you know some some really good promo um a decent match with a really questionably shitty frustrating ending it's it's a mixed it's a mixed bags a mixed bag of emotions folks um, so we'll give you something really uh, a nice little treat uh, to chew on um, for the end. But um, uh, was the uh, Shibata versus Orange Cassidy match on Rampage? Um, and I know Tom um, is a massive Shibata fan and has Ooh, some, some strong opinions on it, um, you know, because a lot of us, I think all of us can say big, big, big fans of Shibata. And we're very, very bummed to hear when he when he <laughs> cracked Okada's skull uh, yes. and <laughs> ended up like taking himself out of commission. And it was said he was never, ever going to wrestle again. A very, you know, not to compare him to Daniel Bryan, um, uh, Bryan Danielson, sorry. Um, uh, but it was that kind of situation. But obviously, like he, he like hemorrhaged his head. It was much, much worse. Not 
apples to oranges here, but just it was in that same like he's done. Um, and he's recently started to come back and he looked in phenomenal shape. And you could tell, yes, it was a very good match, but like he was very, very heavily protected, which again, like I'm starting to really see like at first Orange Cassidy was like, okay, yeah, he's fun. Like he, man, that man, that guy is just continuously getting over and over and over. Oh, yeah. I never thought I'd ever see a wrestler get a massive pop for using a fucking Jefferson airplane song. Like, Jane, that chord hits, and when he walks out, that pot, that everybody goes nuts. It's insane. It's great, but like the fact, I think we need to really start putting Orange Cassidy in that category of a phenomenal talent and phenomenal wrestler because he he probably went out there and protected the living shit out of out of Shibata, um, and you could tell there was very very limited strikes to the head. If it was like when he orange did the, the tope to the outside, he completely like would turn his shoulder. So he's like hitting, you know, instead of like, you know, yeah. coming, you know, a normal with your hands out, you know, it's orange, you know, it's more of a body blow. Like, yes, of course there's still risk, but like it's less or even more. But anyway, detracting from the point that I think orange Cassidy is a phenomenal, phenomenal wrestler. And it just proved, and I think it was a good win and what a good rub. And for real, like what a good rub to be able to say that, okay, I hung with a guy who probably still needs to be very taken care of and did so. So anyway, do you know, do you know why uh, orange Cassidy does the, the whole jean jacket sunglasses in Jane? Uh, it's a homage to wet hot American summer, Paul Rudd's character. So that's oh, why really, mm-hmm, yeah, that's why he's got the whole, like uh, the, like the super bullshit attitude, um, which is great. Movie. I love that movie, but um, yeah, actually from what I understand, uh, Shibata, handpicked uh both uh orange cassidy and the i will lose my goddamn mind when this happens uh brian danielson <laughs> i don't know if you guys heard that but he like handpicked him to to be dudes uh, mm-hmm. to to wrestle with um the, my only and i i don't want this podcast uh this episode to be just like i'm just gonna whine um uh, i it, it does concern me a little bit uh the that they're using Shibata, but I know that he's obviously going to be heavily protected, which is fine with me. Um, I just worry that like that dude is, is super banged up. And, you know, like we said in the past, it's not ballet accidents can happen. I don't care how great of a wrestler you are. It just worries me that like it, you could very well see some very, very scary accidents happen with him. And I do not want that. Um, but yeah, sure you know with that rightfully said you know i don't i don't want to take that away from this amazing match i'm glad he's in there he does look super healthy he did have i think it was last year or maybe earlier this year he did have that uh quick uh quick match with zach saber jr um oh yeah 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 and, and that was that was really good but it really i don't think it really was necessary like a full wrestling match it, it just seemed kind of like a, a grappling like five ten minute match but uh yeah. I, I i think he I think he was, he definitely should have dethroned Okada. Um, that's, I mean, I, I know there's some, some hot takes there, but uh, I, I'm glad he's, he's in AEW. I'm glad that they reached out to him to do that. I think that was, I think that was con. I hope that was con surprise and not Jeff Jarrett. Um, I was definitely <laughs> marking out to the moon. I, I love Shibata. I, I, I could go on and on about how great of a, of a, of a talent he is. I, I think a lot of people overlook Orange Cassidy because of his gimmick. Because he is a fun, he is phenomenally talented yeah. and a technical wrestler. 
He is an incredibly talented technical wrestler. And not only in the Shibata match did you see that, but the match he had on Wednesday, the the, the three-way with Luchasaurus and Ray Phoenix. That's right, yeah. I mean, over and over again, Orange Cassidy has shown that I mean, number one, I'd love his fucking gimmick. I love the character work. I think it's brilliant. I think it's it's wonderful. It's entertaining as all hell. But he is also just a very good wrestler as well. And I think that a lot of people miss it because they're just so captivated by the character work. Uh, but no, I, it was a great match. I thought the I thought it was a great match. I love the fact that not only did did Orange Cassidy do a good job of protecting Shibata, but I think Cassidy's character work fit in perfectly with how he was protecting Shibata that particularly the spot where you know they're both sitting you know crisscross applesauce in the middle of the ring and you know Shibata's doing the hit me hit me and Orange is like no hit me and then finally Orange just does the pat oh that was great yeah that kind of stuff and then Shibata threw in the like soft kicks he did the you know the Orange Cassidy kicks at one point and I, I think that that character works so well in a perfect in a situation like this because he can hang with shibata he can hang with those really talented um uh, technical strikers but then also his character work adds that extra layer to it so i thought it was a good work good week for orange cassidy all around i thought he had a great match on dynamite i thought he had a great match on rampage uh i i agree tom i i i wince a little bit just watching shibata walk to the ring and his posture oh, yeah. uh makes me very icky i'm like oh god oh god you know I, I i'm scared for the guy but at the same time incredibly thrilled to be able to to see him compete because he's he is he's got a great mind for the business uh he's got a great ability to build a match uh and he had he has a great skill set that you can tell is a bit rusty but still there uh so no I've, i thought that was a great match as well it was and you know, it's not too often that rampage gets the really good matches usually yeah usually rampage is the b show but yeah that was a damn good rampage match. no i yeah absolutely agree um and it's cool too and yeah again because i when i first and i was like shabbat like what the hell's he doing here and like again i know he's a big um and i've heard rumblings that they're trying to do more of a, a aw uh new japan uh and because i believe he is he's either head trainer or runs uh the the la new japan dojo yeah um, he's yeah. And so, like, I don't know if it's just if if that's getting involved in bringing some more of his students in, because like he um, uh, Kyle. Oh, God. Kyle Fredericks or Kyle Fredrickson. I can't. He was um, he was with. Um, oh, my God. Who was he with? And he left. I, I want to say New Japan and then he left or so. I don't know. But like Clark Connors was another guy that I think he was responsible for. Uh, the white the white rhino I think is what they call him or the, the gray rhino or some. I don't know. He's nuts. And I, I kind of like him. And I think he's he's a sleeper. In my opinion, he was the guy that replaced uh, Ishii in the uh, the four way at the um, mm-hmm. Forbidden Door. Mm-hmm. We saw we saw him at uh, when we yeah. he was he was at uh, when we went Jim when we went and saw him at the when they were doing the United States those like small little house shows. Um, he was there, yeah. Tom. I believe I'm pretty sure he was there. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, no, he's a he's he's a sleeper. I, I'm not a big fan of the Rhino gimmick, but. I, I, I can't. he's not that big of a guy so being called the rhino is kind of weird well me. yeah because it's like he like but he comes out dressed like a like a safari hunter so i'm like all right wait a minute what like i don't know that's such so, a new japan thing that's such a new japan oh yeah you can 100 percent tell this has got new japan written all over it so it'll be interesting to see where they take him uh and whatnot but yeah no yeah check out the shibata man folks
as as everybody knows, the goal of this podcast is to you know truly spotlight a a a, a figure, an individual in the world of professional wrestling. Um, you know, and it spans the gamut, man. Like it could be, uh, you know, man, woman, tag team, uh, legend, uh, you know, up and comer, whatever. We just we want to put a spotlight on somebody. Um, and uh, last week uh, we had uh, Miss Serena Deeb. And uh, now, uh, uh, Jim, it's Jim's turn. Jim, give us a spotlight, man. Who who are we talking about today? I've been waiting all week. <laughs> well, I gotta say, I, when I originally planned this spotlight, I planned it because this is a this is a performer who uh, had a big big impact on me uh, growing up and as a fan, and somebody who I've always respected. And then as we've been doing this record we've been throwing out a lot of names that I'm like, Oh fuck. That really all, all roads are leading to this spotlight. Uh, a lot of the people we've been talking about kind of play into the history of this, this particular wrestler. So to, to, to tease them in, uh, I'm going to ask you guys to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to cut the music. And what I'd like to have right now is for all of you out of shape, sweat hogs yeah. to ah. keep the noise down while I take my robe off and show the ladies what a real man looks like. Oh, that's Dale Torborg. Uh, no, uh, that's obviously <laughs> yes. We're talking about the demon. <laughs> oh my God, Jim! I was I. It's funny because um, I, I was listening to um, uh, uh, the latest AEW podcast, and they were talking to Arya Davari. Who's from yep. Michigan? Who uh, or Michigan, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota? And he was talking about the one and only Ravishing Rick Rude. I ravishing. love Ravishing Rick Rude. Good choice, my friend. I'm ooh, I'm I'm intrigued. Like, I, I I have been a huge Rick Rude fan uh, most of my life. I always loved Rick Rude. Um, I always thought he was phenomenally talented. And you know, I, I got to admit. I spent many years of my life wondering what happened to Rick Rude. Why did, you know, cause his career ended very quickly. He did not have a long career. Uh, and that's, that's another part of the reason I thought doing a spotlight on Rick would, would be important because uh, you know, he's, he's one of those lights that burned bright, but didn't burn long. Uh, and his, his light came to, came to this earth on December 7th, 1958. So the day that will live in infamy plus a few years. And he was born Richard Irwin rude, uh, but spelled R O O D Richard rude. And as you mentioned, he is from Minnesota. He's from St. Peter, Minnesota. Uh, and which there must be something in the water up there. Right. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> because there's so many phenomenal wrestling talents have come out of Minnesota. Uh, it, it's amazing because I never thought of Minnesota as being worth anything other than hockey, but it turns out they are a phenomenal pro wrestling school uh, as a state. Uh, Rick Rude went to high school actually with get, get this. This is the list of oh. some of the classmates. Yeah. Just some of his classmates. The Z-Man, Tom Zink, Nikita Koloff, Barry Darso, who was Smash in Demolition and then later the Repo Holy Man, shit. and his best friend from childhood, a young man by the name of Kurt, Kurt Hennig. Hennig, later came to be known as Mr. Holy Perfect. crap. Uh, and yeah. So Rick Rude literally grew up with some of the fucking legends of our childhood and they all entered into the wrestling business kind of together and kind of coincidentally, it's not like it was a plan. It's not like, you know, it's not like edging Christian where they were best friends growing up and we're like, we're going to be wrestlers one day. 
they just all knew each other from high school and happened to go into wrestling That's in different crazy. ways. Uh, yeah, you didn't know that, Tom? No, I had no idea. I didn't I didn't even Yeah. I didn't know about him and even Henning. Oh, oh my yeah, god, they, yeah. They were dude, kind of like right, like right along buddies. Oh no, they're they childhood friends. Oh man, this means, their entire yeah. I mean, not to be a dumb yeah, the whole Henning family's <laughs> from the whole Henning family's from Minnesota. Exactly. Yeah. So he he actually uh, when when Rick graduated high school he was uh, he was you know did the usual high school uh, you know wrestling football you know sports stuff uh, and he actually he attended the community college there in uh, in his area of Minnesota called uh, Anoka Ramsey Community College and he finished he got a degree in physical education I like to point that out because uh, as a community college product and a community college instructor fuck yeah. Go community colleges. Rick Rude's one of us. Uh, he's, he's one of our people. Uh, like a lot of the other guys who came through the Minnesota route uh, in those days of wrestling, he started out working as a bouncer. Uh, Rick was a, a bouncer at a local nightclub as well as an arm wrestler, an am- amateur arm wrestler, uh, before eventually he kind of got noticed by a guy named Eddie Sharkey. Uh, and Eddie Sharkey became one of the most well-known trainers in all of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And he had a school in Minnesota there. Uh, and in 1982, he starts training Rick Rude. Uh, Eddie Sharkey went on to train guys that you're probably familiar with, guys with names like Austin Aries, Eric Rowan, wow. Sean Waltman, and the Road Warriors. Uh, I, I've, always been, I've always found it fascinating how wrestling schools can have such diverse turnout of students. Because uh, never in a million years would I think X-Pac and fucking Road Warriors as having the same background. Right. But there they are. They have the same training as Rick Rude. Uh, so it's great. Uh, so Rick starts starts wrestling in 1982. And in 1984, he moves to Memphis, the, the famed Memphis territory. And he, it is when he is there that he finally gets the, the moniker ravishing. So uh, for 1982 to 1984, he's just kind of this baby face jobber. Uh, and oh, what a face. Oh, I'm comfortable enough with my heterosexuality to say Rick Rude was a handsome fucking man. That guy was a stud. Jesus Christ. What a body. Uh, like, I'm sorry. Like, he was abs. Wow. <laughs> yes, I, yes, that man was was pure sex appeal. Oh, 100%. Uh, anyway, right there with so it. So in eighty four, he, he goes to Memphis. He becomes ravishing Rick Rude, uh, and it is there that he gets his first manager, a young man by the name of Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South. Uh, later on, uh, Ravishing One moves on to Florida Territories, which is run by Wahoo McDaniel at the time, and he picks up another manager, uh, a man by the name of Percy Pringle, who is probably best known to our listening audience as Paul Bear. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of funny to think, <laughs> kind of funny to think that Rick Rude was managed by Jimmy Hart and Paul Bearer early on in his it's career. Wild. Uh Again, just a fucking weird world of professional wrestling. And it's while he's in Florida uh, that uh, Rick Roots forms a tag team with a young man by who is goes by the name the Dingo Warrior. Uh, it is very shortly after this tag team forms that the Dingo Warrior turns face. Uh, the team breaks up and Rick Roode ends up feuding with who is now known as the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, after fighting it out in Florida for several years and competing for the championship, uh, uh, really feuding with Wahoo McDaniel, who again was running their territory and also their top star in 1987, the WWF calls Connecticut comes calling and Rick rude goes up to WWF. Uh, 
once he signed to WWF, he debuts with Bobby Heenan's Heenan family, uh, which was one of my favorite staples oh, of all time. One of the best. Uh, Wonderful. One of the best. Fucking legendary. And almost right away, almost right away, uh, Rick Rude is thrown into, you know, real high level, high on the card matches uh, and feuds. One of his first feuds in WWF is still, I think, one of his most memorable and most legendary. And that was with Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, One of the things that Rick Rude was really known for during his run in WWF was his tights. Uh, First of all, he wore the long pants, right? And he had them airbrushed and he would always have special tights made. Right. You almost never saw him wear the same tights twice. And one of the one of my keystone memories of pro wrestling was when he was feuding with Jake Roberts and he had Jake Roberts wife, his real life wife, airbrushed onto his tights. And this sent Jake Roberts into an absolute fury and just basically was on this just mindless spree. He was going to beat the shit out of Rick Rude no matter what. Uh, so they have they have a phenomenal feud. The Jake the Snake Rick Rude feud was was fantastic uh, throughout the, the late 80s. Eventually, he moves on, though, and uh, Roberts wins the feud. He gets a couple of clean pins over Rick Rude and Rude starts feuding with the ultimate warrior, his old teammate, the D- former Dingo warrior uh, for the Intercontinental title. And they go back and forth with the icy strap uh, a few times uh, I have, before finally. Jim, I, I, sorry, that? I have to mention, have you seen some of those matches? It's They cover it in the Ultimate Warrior documentary. Rick Rude, like, worked his fucking ass off to sell yes. for that asshole. Like, yep. I felt like, I mean, it is, it's almost on that level of, like, when uh, Shawn Michaels, like, goofed, like, was, like, clowning on Hogan. And, like, it is his, and God bless Rick Rude. I'm sorry. Just if anybody hasn't seen those couple of men, go and watch them. They're it's hysterical, yeah, and it's just honestly they're <sighs> they're that good just because of him. Because he is mm-hmm. oh man, he is you. He is working his ass off, and yeah, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> Ultimate Warrior was the shits, right? You know, I, I think I think we can all agree Ultimate Warrior was never a fucking good wrestler. <laughs> well, there goes and, my spotlight. Rick week. Rude made him. <laughs> Rick Rude made him look fucking top notch because he was. He was it, Rick Rude was. You know, it, I think most people remember him for for the gimmick, but he was a phenomenal worker. Oh, absolutely, great seller, great seller. So he's feuding with Ultimate Warrior uh, over the Intercontinental Belt. And ultimately, when SummerSlam 1990 comes around, uh, excuse me, not SummerSlam, Survivor Series 1990 comes around, Rick Rude is uh, set to lead his team uh, against uh, Hulk Hogan and the Big Boss Man's team. Uh, But Rick Rude is unceremoniously let go from the company after a dispute with a man named Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Uh, And so before Survivor Series of 1990, Rick Rude leaves the company. Uh, He kind of lays low for a while because he's got a non-compete. And then in 1991, he shows up in WCW. And much like he did in WWF, he, he comes in and he immediately joins an incredibly powerful group, this time the Dangerous Alliance, which was the group headed up by Paul E. Dangerously, oh, dangerously. now Paul Heyman. Uh, other members of the Dangerous Alliance at this point, beautiful Bobby Eaton, one of the most underrated wrestlers, 100%. I think, of all time. Agreed. Uh, Arn Anderson. Oh, Arn. Ooh. Larry, the living legend, Zabisco. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they? There they am. And, we all a, did it. <laughs> and an up-and-comer up by the name of Stunning Steve, Steve Austin. Austin. 
So Rick Rude joins another phenomenal stable uh, when he comes into WCW. And while he's there, uh, he started one of his first major fuses with Sting. Uh, and he starts a really long program with Sting over the U.S. title. And he ultimately defeats Sting to pick up the U.S. title for his first and only time. And he actually holds on to the belt for 14 months, which is still a record. It's still the second longest uh, reign with that title. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. Damn. And the only I did not reason know that. he dropped it is because he got injured. He had a really bad back injury uh, and that forced him to, or excuse me, neck injury. And that forced him to, to hand off the belt. So who knows how long he could have gone. He had it for 14 months. If it wasn't for a neck injury, who knows? Right. So after uh, returning from injury, uh, Rick Rude comes back and he uh, challenges Ric Flair for the NWA world heavyweight title. Uh, now, remember at this point in history, WCW was a part of the NWA Alliance. Mm -hmm. They were part of the National yeah. Wrestling Alliance. And so you had the WCW Championship, which was held by Ron Simmons at that point. And then you had the NWA Heavyweight, which was held by Ric Flair. So Root comes back from injury. He challenges Flair on Flair's own talk show, Flair for the Gold, and he defeats Ric Flair. He wins the NWA World Heavyweight title from Ric Flair. Well, while Root is still the champion, the relationship between WCW and NWA dissolves. And so even though Rick rude is the NWA champion, he's contracted to WCW and they're no longer involved with NWA. So they changed the name of the title from the NWA world heavyweight title to the WCW international world title. Wow. Uh, and so for a period of time there, there was a WCW world heavyweight champion and a WCW international forgot about that <laughs> um, and rick rude really takes the international part to heart and he actually ends up defending the belt internationally uh he has several great matches in japan yep. uh several matches all over the world really uh and when all said and done rick rude has held the wcw international belt three different times holy shit the last time yeah, the last time Rude wins the belt is on May 1st, 1994, in a match against Sting. Oh. Sting came in as the reigning international champion, uh, and Rick Rude was challenging, again, for his third shot at the title. Uh, it was a match in Japan, and while Rick Rude did win the match, unfortunately it would end up being his last. Uh, because during a spot in the match, which you can still watch, you can go on YouTube and still watch it now, uh, Rick Rude catches Sting off of a suicide dive and Rude's feet kind of go out from under him and he ends up landing awkwardly on a platform on his back uh, yeah. and really messes up his back very, very bad. Uh, and so he wins the match, uh, becomes the international champion for the third time, but that is effectively the end of his in-ring career oh, uh, at that point. <laughs> Um, that was a good match too, leading up to that. It was phenomenal. It's a fucking his, good his match. Sting, the the Rick Rude Sting matches were all amazing. I mean, you know, you, people talk about Eddie Eddie Guerrero, D Malenko, and ECW. Sting and Rick Rude just as fucking good. Absolutely, level phenomenal Holy. competition between those. Um, so Rude is forced to retire, and he cashes in an insurance policy with Lloyd's of London, uh, and is able to kind of rest for several years and then seemingly out of the blue at least in my memory it was out of the fucking blue in 1997 
Rick Rude shows up in ECW of all places. <laughs> I, uh, I remember I was, that. I was like, huh? in and be like, where, where did he show up in ECW? Like, I know it was brief. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm for certain I know he was in ECW for a minute. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea when the hell spurred this, but he appears in ECW and he specifically appears as a way to be a pain in the ass of Shane Douglas. Which was even weirder because it's like, how you have no, why Shane Douglas? But anyway, Rick Rude is in ECW for, you know, about a cup of coffee. He's not there for very long uh, before he gets a, gets a call from Connecticut and he heads back into WWF in that same year in 1997. Uh, and when he shows up in WWF, uh, he is brought in as the quote unquote insurance policy for a group of young men consisting of Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and China came to be known as DX. So Rick Rude is actually a member of DX when he comes he in. He was like a founding uh, member. So bizarre. Yeah, he's one of the founding members. Yeah, I know, but, it, but it, it's the weirdest. But it works. Like look at like look at what Jim's look at some of the groups he's been a part of. The Heenan family. The, the dude is, and I don't know if you're going to get into this, Jim, but like he is just a consistently good heel, and like he works. Yes really well with other heels like he was great like he didn't even have to say much like when he was with the ex you just knew that this guy was just like i don't fucking like this guy and like he's with these wieners and like great he was always wearing he was always shorts. and he got, would carry a briefcase yeah and he he never spoke and that's the thing is during during his in-ring career he was phenomenal on them oh my god he oh, could yeah. get such great heat working the mic and then he he's in with dx and really all he does is stay in the background looking menacing and he was fucking great at it he yeah, was still it worked Another, uh. so uh, so rick Rude's in wwf he's working with dx he's their insurance policy uh and then the infamous montreal screw job happens in 1997 late 97 uh in late 97 uh bret hart gets screwed over by vince mcmahon on his way out uh, and sets off a lot of alarms for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of the old, older guys, a lot of the old school guys were very unhappy with how Brett went out and how Brett was treated. And Rick was no different. Um, Rick was never technically under contract with WWF. Uh, so he was on a pay per appearance basis. And so he was able to, to largely driven by his disgust over the Montreal screw job, negotiate a contract with Eric Bischoff at WCW. So uh, on November 17th, 1997. I remember this. Rick Rude makes history. Uh, Rick Rude on that Monday night shows up live on Monday Nitro and about an hour later appears on Raw, which had been pre taped. So for did the me, first time, did he have history, one mustache on one and then a nod on the other? <laughs> exactly. If you remember during his amazing. run with DX, he had a full beard. Yeah, wow. during during his DX run, he had a full beard. He shows up on Nitro with just his mustache, his trademark mustache, yeah. and cuts a scathing promo, which was the it was the thing then, right? Oh. Is when a guy jumped from WCW to WWF or vice versa, they immediately came out and cut a promo on how the other guys are all dickheads, right? That's, that's just what you do. So he he gets on WCW Nitro and uh, uh, he cuts a promo on WWF and and how they suck and all this. And he joins the NWO. (laughs) So I forgot he joined the NWO. In one night, Rick Rude not only became the first person to appear on both programs the same time, but also becomes the first person to be a member of both DX 
and NWO. That's amazing. Wow. Beating fellow Eddie Sharkey trainee, Sean Waltman, by a few weeks. Because Sean Waltman then goes <laughs> from NWO to DX. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, Rude shows up in WCW, and again, he's still unable to compete because of his back issues. So he's given the very specific task of managing his best friend, Kurt Hennig. And so for the next two years, uh, every time you see Rick Rude, he's he's following Kurt Hennig. He's helping Kurt Hennig. He's being a heater. He's being a manager, uh, being a helper for Kurt Hennig. Uh, very unfortunately, on April 20th, 1999, Rick Rude's wife uh, goes to check on him in their home and finds him unconscious and unresponsive in their bed. Uh, she calls an ambulance. Rick is taken to the hospital and uh, pronounced dead. And at the age of only 40 years old, 40, 40. he was only 40 years Holy old, hell. Uh, Rick Root is pronounced dead of heart failure. Uh, it is believed to be from a combination of uh, prescription medications uh, that he didn't necessarily abuse, but didn't necessarily take appropriately, I guess is, is the way to put it. Um, and ends way too short of a career and obviously way too short of, of a life. Uh, you know, I, 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 like I said, I, Rick Rude was, was an, an integral part of my childhood, an integral part of my teen years. Um, to think that the man only wrestled for 10 years is, is insane. it's insane to me with, with how influential he was. And it was only fucking 10 years. Um, by all accounts, Rick Rude on screen was a very different human being from Rick Rude off screen. Uh, Bret Hart has said repeatedly that Rick Rude was the most dedicated family man he'd ever met. Uh, so while his persona on screen was this ladies man who was, you know, uh, trying to be this gigolo and Don Juan in reality, Rick Rude never took off his wedding ring. Uh, in fact, if you watch Rick Rude's matches, he always has tape on his fingers because rather than take off his ring, he would just tape his fingers, uh, to cover it, uh, incredibly dedicated to his wife and his three children, uh, through the course of his career, he won multiple titles in the NWA, both singles and tag. Uh, as I said, he was the WCW international heavyweight champion three times, uh, one time heavyweight U S heavyweight champ, one time intercontinental champ in WWF in 1992 pro wrestling insider, uh, listed him at number four, uh, uh, in of all the wrestlers in the world, Damn. and that same year, they also named him the most hated wrestler <laughs> in the world, which is weird, but is quite the honor and one he absolutely deserved. Uh, a phenomenal worker, phenomenal man. Uh, I, I personally, I, I still love going back and watching Rick Rude matches. Oh, uh, I prefer WCW Rick Rude. I think they let him shine a bit more. Uh, but even in WWF, his character work. Because that was the comic book era. It was the it was the yeah. crazy character era of WWF, and Ravishing Rick Rude was phenomenal. Uh, I got, what are your memories? What are your thoughts about the Ravishing one? Real quick, Jim, I I wanted to ask, actually ask you before uh, earlier to butt in. Um, you said Rude was on a like a weird like appearance base for McMahon when he was in W. Do you know anything about that? Because that seems super unlike McMahon to do that. Like I feel like he would have. Especially during, because that's like kind of the the tidal wave of the 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 Monday Night Wars kind of the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, it was like kind of like peak. You would think that he would have locked him into some sort of deal. I find that super strange. From from what I was reading and from what I can kind of intuit um, based on what people are saying and not saying, I I think that's part of the reason why Rick left as well is because I think the reason he wasn't locked in on a contract is because McMahon didn't see him as that valuable. He couldn't wrestle anymore. 
He was just a heater. Um, I, I think McMahon didn't see the value in him and didn't see him as a commodity. Uh, I think that probably bruised his ego a little bit. And then the Montreal screw job was just kind of that icing on the cake. Uh, Cause you're right. It's very bizarre uh, when you're in the middle of the Monday night wars to not lock down every talent you have. Yeah. So I, I, fatal fatal misstep by vince mcmahon yeah, that i mean that, that's actually very i didn't there's a lot of stuff that i i really actually didn't know like because rude to me was always on that super long list of guys who in wwf at the time should have been the flagship of that company like he could have held the the the, the wwf title and man he could have just massive heel run on top of what he already did and like same with like henning you know, Henning was always that one guy who just, he never, he never got the title and, and rude. He is, I'm so glad you, 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 you picked him. I, I love him so much. And, and, uh, the sting him and sting, uh, in Japan matches is, is flawless. It is a remarkable, great match to watch. Um, his heel works incredible. I, I still, to this day, will will do randomly to people who don't obviously give a shit. The, the, the listen up you Atlantic city sweat hogs and do the whole like where he wipes, he like flicks the sweat. It's, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> well, then he, and then he like, he blows a kiss. Yeah, That's like, my favorite is the kiss. When I'm doing yard worker shit, I like flick the sweat at my yeah. kids. They have no, they just think I'm fucking what weird. Are you doing? Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't get it. And, and uh, 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 the, the, the tights, I, I distinctly remember even as a kid being like, you can't do that. Like that, that, that's that man's <laughs> wife. How, how can he do such a thing? Cause he would do like, even, even back then, I mean, for the night or the eighties, as provocative as it was to have a guy's wife on your crotch while you're like gyrating and being just like, <laughs> and, and I'll throw it over to you in a second, Mike, but like he is the reason why I probably just give up lifting weights because that dude is yoked out of his mind. It, like you could like, you look at him and you're like, Oh dude, if I do like 50 crunches, I could totally look like this guy. And he's like, absolutely not kid. Like, what are you doing? Like leave it, leave the weightlifting for the, 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 the pros here. Great treat. Great cheese on those bad boys. Seriously. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I know I'm sounding, I'm sounding like I'm in love with the man, but like those were some abs, man. Those were like, oh man, look at that, like, that, man. Like the only dude who comes close to that is like Finn Balor, and like even his are like, yeah, I think you're missing a few rows of you're you're like almost to Rick Rude level, but you need to keep working, buddy. You you mentioned Tom that you didn't realize he and Kurt Hennig were so I had close. no idea. Um, there's there's two. If, if you're going to go on YouTube and watch the Sting Rick Rude match, his final match, the next video you need to watch is Kurt Hennig being interviewed on Nitro right after Rick Rude dies. <sighs> it is one of the most heartbreaking things. Uh, again, Kurt and Rick were best friends. They're growing up their whole lives. And, the, you know, Kurt was still in WCW when Rick passed. And the backstage interviewer is talking to Kurt in character and they're, you know, getting ready for the match, blah, blah, blah. And it, it, it almost like based on Kurt's reaction, I, I've always felt like this was a hijack. Like they sprung this on him without warning him because wow. out of the blue, the interviewer just says, well, Kurt, also, we know that your good friend Rick Rude just passed away. Do you have any thoughts? And you can see Kurt is like, 
just, you know, this combination of both crushed and pissed off that they're asking him this. And he, he gives this little statement about Rick Root. And it is, it's one of the most honest and, and oh, wow. Wow. sad moments I've ever seen in pro wrestling. So, again, if you're going to go to YouTube, if you're going to watch the Sting Rick Root match, do yourself a favor and look up the Kurt Henning Rick Root Nitro uh, clip as well. It is. Hmm. It's 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 hard. I do not it's remember absolutely that. Hard. I, it's, it's, I always nuts. thought that like he because of the back injury, that's why he was he was doing he was relying so heavily on like pain medication and like that mm. era, man. That era is just like heartbreakingly just crushing because it was like pills yeah, not and, only and like, booze, man. Not only were you were we losing like our our child our like childhood heroes, but like one of the most like de- I guess super like depressing things to like Bret Hart talks about is when he's like rifling. I think it's in his documentary or where he's just rifling off of all these people that he knew that passed away because of like prescription pain medication, just like relying on it so heavily. And like, I always, it's hard not to get a lump in your throat when you talk about rude and Henning. Cause you're just like, they were just two dudes who were just phenomenal at their craft and they just never got their just dues. And it was just like, I just wish you could go back in time and just be like, I thank you. And I'm sorry. You, you like, you put your body through this and, and, and then ultimately that's kind of how they died. I know Henning was a little, I think there was more like harder drugs in his system, but still nonetheless, like, phenomenal talents and I, dude I'm, i had no idea that they were buds well and you every once in a while people will have that conversation about who are the best to never hold the world title right you know and you, it, people talk about kurt hennig and owen hart rick rude to me has to be in that fucking list absolutely he has to be in that list so like my thoughts on 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 rude is the intercontinental title and like i know he only held it once but like that was when the intercontinental again but henning held it as well and like as much as i cannot stand this guy he Miz, there's when he had that really nice run with the title that was a lot of rude a lot of henning and like again that you know um you know putting just that prestige back on that title because it did it like i remember growing up that the intercontinental title was like you know it was like okay you know yeah hogan's the world champ but like man who's the intercontinental like okay you know and like there was some there was some good stuff that came out of it but any hoodles but like the thing that like I the, the the several things that I remember about Rude um, is the, the the gyrating, but then I I vividly and I don't know why I remember this so much, but like the women coming out of the crowd and kissing, and he gives them to the mat and stuff, and I just being like, this dude's awesome, and like he had like <laughs> that crazy ass fucking long hair and the mustache, and like at, yeah, at, at first hindsight, like you look at him now and you're like. Ugh. It, okay and then obviously he cut it all off and he got cleaned up and not to say one way or the other but i mean just at first glance you're like this guy looks like a creep <laughs> Dude, the 80s but he's gorgeous wild, i mean he is he looks like he 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 did he does he looks like he's cut from a stone and i just that was the uh, uh, the other thing that i i really remember about him but and and this is this is now i'm getting into the the one thing that i remember him you know being a wrestling fan is that man has the best neck breaker I have ever oh. seen. And I remember he would do it and I'd be like, Jesus Christ, he broke that guy's neck. But like, again, it goes back to that the, everybody has always said that Rick Rude is a phenomenal worker. And I, you get, you damn well know that every one of those guys were probably as, you know, fine and they were very safe. But like, I vividly remember being like, oh my God, that looks like he's killing somebody. You know what I mean? And like, oh, yeah. but like, 
and and I know this is this is completely unrelated to at least that finisher, but um, so I don't know where this fits in the conversation. But like, is the if there was someone that I could compare him to now, and it's, it's Seth Rollins is reminds me of a lot. He reminds me a lot of a Rick Root. Not maybe obviously more athletic and whatnot, but like he's he's still that like Rick Root has always been a really great heel. Just that guy, like man, I fucking hate that guy, and like. Seth Rollins is really good at that. Like he's got a good enough body, got a, you know, beautiful wife. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I fucking hate that guy. Like, and Rude is really good at that. Like with his body and like his run, I think with the warrior helped put warrior over and sadly got him ready for the title run and whatnot. But the stuff he did with Roberts was great, was really, really good. And like with that, like, again, with the, the, the tights like that was the other thing that I vividly remember but I remember like that was really good stuff really good entertainment and he was really good at it and he and it just it sucks that he he did die too young but yeah I I, I you have to agree that like that the sting match is like it's a must watch it's a great it's a great match it's just it, it you don't it's funny that you mentioned Seth Rollins too because like there's such a lost art of being a shitbag heel but also being being the guy who like I may be like a, a piece of garbage to you, but your wife loves me, and th- you don't see that where it's like, and that was like what to touch on your point too, which was hilarious. Like women lost their goddamn minds over him, like, and that's what <laughs> yeah. they they like ate it up. They were like, you know, he was like, you're you wish your husbands could be remotely look like anything that I look like. And like that. And I think it's just because it's, there's too many smart wrestling fans nowadays, but like, you don't see that where like, or you don't, at least you don't see it very often where women are just like through the roof cheering and guys, just guys are just booing because you're like, Hey, you're, you're stealing my wife. And he was, he was just like, <laughs> you can see it like him just masterfully controlling the crowd. Like it, it, he was really, if not, one of the, the like top 10, he's top five, like he, greatest heels of all time. It, it, it always baffles me to think that he only lasted 10, 10 years. years. Like, 10 years. 40, that's insane. So many memories packed in there. And, and almost every time he was on TV was a moment. Like, yeah. I mean, that's really the, the guy had a batting average close to a thousand. I mean, just very few moments he had that weren't for the record, for the history books. And, and, um, again, I, I, I think a lot of people think of Rick Rude now and they think of the character, but God, could that guy work? I mean, yeah. he was so yeah. talented. And the reason that Rude Awakening looks so good, you, you see guys now throw a neck breaker and it's just, you know, it's another transitional move. But the way he executed it, the way he led up to it, everything about the way he executed that move made you believe he was about to kill him. <laughs> and it, it was fucking brilliant it was just brilliant and him and roberts the reason that's a great feud because that's two geniuses at work right oh there. yeah that is two absolute fucking Agreed. all-time geniuses working on that story and god was it good so yeah i i uh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to spend most of my day tomorrow watching Rick Rude matches and, and reminiscing about, about all these great times. Oh, he's, he's, he's one for the ages. I was going to say a side note to to um, some of the what's great is because Rude. So this is a bit of a, of a connection here. Six degrees of uh, 
of uh, Rick Rude, but um, in uh, because he was part of the Heenan family, Heenan usually was either at ringside and or on commentary. Please, for the love of God, if you want to see just again, <laughs> obviously the greatness of Rick Rude and whatnot, but like just listen to Bobby promote and put over Rude wow. is just. It's it's just it's hysterical and it's like it's just beautiful and it just it's the credit to 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 the obviously the great phenomenal Bobby Heenan but like oh my god some of the things he would just say it's just like oh it's so great and it you know Heenan's working with Gorilla and a gorilla's like being the straight man and it's just but it's great it's it, it's it's good stuff I'm surprised McMahon being the body guy that he is wasn't all over that but I guess it was you know because. He's more, he was more toned than whereas like Hogan was just big arms and big legs. But that's the problem. Look at who you're fucking up against, dude. Hogan was white, white fucking hot in the, I mean, at that time. Like, how do you compete against that? Like, I mean, there's no way. I just, did him and Hogan ever feud? They had a match. One of, one. Rude's one of one of Rude's first uh, shots in WWF was a title match against Hogan. I was going to say, in fact, before his before his feud with Jake the Snake, uh, okay, he had a title yeah, match. I, to me, Hogan. that could have been months and months of just good guy, bad guy. Like that's insane. Like, oh oh yeah, but I mean, but that's the problem. It's just oh. it's look at who you're going up against. You know what I mean? It yeah. just it's unfortunate that like it just goes up to say anybody uh, it like you're. You, Anybody in that time was not going to beat Hogan, and if you did, it was a mere. It like it. It was almost like it was a trial and error. They did it with Warrior, and clearly that didn't work. Right. So yeah. it, guess who was the? You know what I mean? So like it. It's again. It's it's. I think a hundred percent. Rude could absolutely have been a world champion. Henning could have been. It just it, look at what they were up against, and it just it's always going to be that like what if you know with those guys, and it sucks with Rude too, especially if like if he. Could have handled his addictions, maybe. Don't know, allegedly and whatnot. And just the the medical science that we're at today could have maybe fixed his. You know what I mean? And oh, like, because yeah, he'd be roughly. I get it. Like right now, he'd roughly be about sixty. But like, it, it, medical advances at the time were still. You know what I mean? And it just it it may have could have gotten him fixed or it something. And it just, it stinks. And it just because he still was so young and had you know clearly like could, you know took good care of himself. Well, minus the 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 substance. Uh, situation, but it's a bummer, and it just—it really sucks that he was. But I, yeah, I forgot that he was really that young when he died. To think that I'm—I am right now sitting here older than Rick Rude ever was. It's like fucking how, how? Because <laughs> he just—he always seemed like just this legendary figure, and fuck, you know, only forty years old. And that will wrap it up for this episode. But come back next week for more news, analysis, and of course, our spotlighted wrestler of the week. Big thanks for giving us a listen and a super thanks for subscribing to this podcast so you can have our dulcet tones delivered right to you each week. Feel free to leave us some feedback on your podcast delivery platform of choice. On behalf of Mike, Jim, and I, we are out. <laughs>